We're on uh, Philemon. I am so excited. I may hyperventilate. I may pass out. How many? Of, I'm, I'm not even joking. How many of you? I'm joking a little bit. How many of you were here last time Philemon Sunday happened? Okay, once every ten years or so. Nobody remembers it. Good. It'll be it'll be new to a lot of you. That's good. Uh, when you ask somebody to come and speak for you because you're going to be absent or something like that, you're on vacation or you're sick or something like that. A lot of people like Philemon because you can do the whole book in one one Sunday. Uh, New Testament, I can, my, to my thinking, you only do that three times. Philemon, 2 John, 3 John. You say, what about Jude? No, not me. Others can. Others do. I mean, you could teach the whole book of Matthew or Luke or Revelation one Sunday if you just <laughs> you talk fast like a, you know, auctioneer on steroids and just hit the highlights. You can cover anything. But I think Philemon, you can actually do it. So without any further ado, let's get into it. I'm going to read the whole book because I can. And then I want you to be thinking about why is Philemon in the New Testament? Why did this book make the canon? Why isn't this like a postcard from Paul? Hey, Philemon, how's it going, dude? Hey, listen, I'm going to be over that way. Fix me up a room. I'll see you when I see you. Why is it in the Bible? Because, you know, I hear a lot of people preach it and a lot of people teach it, and I think they miss it. I think they miss it. I think they, like, just don't get hold of why it's here. And I ask people, like, studying the Bible, I say, you know, I, I see a guy, he's look at, reading Philemon, I say, why is that in the Bible? And I get, like, murky, nebulous, gray answers to no clue at all. So I'm going to read it, and I'm, I'm asking you to focus. Why is this in the Bible? Okay, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have forgotten in my bonds, uh, whom I have begotten in my bonds. Did I say forgotten or begotten? Yeah, I've begotten him, not forgot him. Okay, I've begotten him in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be, as it were, of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldst receive him forever." Not now as a servant, but, also, but above a servant, a brother, beloved, especially to me. But how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If you count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with my own hand, I will repay it. Albeit I do not say to thee how much owest thou, thou owest unto me, even thine own self besides, Yet, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. 
Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. But withal, prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that thou, uh, through your prayers, I shall be given unto you. There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Father, we pray now that you would bless this time and we would be able to grab hold of this great book. In my thinking, one of the clearest presentations of the gospel message in all of the New Testament. We thank and praise you for it. And Father, I pray that you would take this opportunity to speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go through it verse by verse like we normally do, but quicker than I normally do. And again, just hitting the highlights. And I want to get to the why I think it's here. So the backstory is Paul's in prison, probably the uh, Acts 28 prison. We think he was released, later collected again, re-imprisoned, which ended in uh, his beheading. And, uh, you know, we looked at Second Timothy, probably his last epistle he wrote before he died. This was in the Acts 28 imprisonment that he was probably acquitted from. And he writes to this man named Philemon. This man named Onesimus, he's a runaway slave. He runs into Paul somehow. Maybe he's arrested at Rome. Uh, has he heard the gospel when he's in Philemon's house at Colossae, where Philemon is from? Probably. Is he a Christian? Probably not. So he runs in the Apostle Paul, who leads him to the Lord. And now Paul is sending him back to Philemon, his master. And I know a lot of you are saying, Master, slave, what's going on here? We'll get there. And he's saying to him, Okay, I want you to, okay, not a slave so much. Kind of now he's brother Onesimus. All right? And, uh, and this, is, this, is how we, uh, this is how we're going to roll from here. And so this is what this is all about, and this is... Okay, let's, let's look at that. Okay, Paul's a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy is with him at this time. He's writing to Philemon, and he calls him a daily beloved and fellow laborer. And to uh, Aphia, it's a female name, probably Philemon's wife. Um, by the way, Philemon means beloved. You should be able to see that. You know enough Greek. Phil, like Philadelphia, you know. Um, there you go. So it's... Um, it means beloved. And Aphia, I like her name, it means cover, but cover not like a lid, like a, like a shield or a shelter. My little warm, snug harbor, you know, think. She provides cover. That's, I, I like that, you know. Um, and to uh, Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier. Archippus means master of horses. I can't make anything of that, except he's a fellow soldier, so if he's a master of horses and a soldier, it's probably a good thing, right? He's probably the pastor of the church that's in their house. He may be their son, Aphia and Philemon's son. And the greeting, grace, and peace, we've seen this before, uh, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Always grace before peace, never peace before grace, because it doesn't work out that way in real life. And he's thanking God for several things about this man. He, may, he says he makes mention of him in his prayers. I think it's only like four people in the New Testament Paul says that about. And this man Philemon is one of them. I, I, heard, I hear of your love and your faith. 
which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. And my prayer is this, verse 6, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. I want your ministry, as you tell others about Jesus, to be more and more effectual. I know everywhere you go, you're, telling, you're at the coffee shop, you're at the gas station, you're at the uh, iPhone store, and no matter where you go, you're always telling everyone about Jesus. And no matter where you go, I want that to be more and more effectual. I want you to be able to reach more and more people. That's his prayer. Uh, we have great joy and consolation I love because the bowels of thy saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore, though I might be much... Now, this is, is the plot. And by the way, bowels are refreshed. You think, what is that all about? Bowels, innermost being. Uh, they think bowels is the seat of emotion. We always say heart. But the heart, that organ that pumps in your chest, is not a seat of emotion any more than bowels are. But we understand what we mean when we say, you know, the heart of the matter. We talk about the, and you know, you ever heard the phrase, the bowels of the earth, the inmost, that's kind of what the idea is here. So he's saying, you know, the inmost part of the saints are refreshed by thee. And we, we, get, we get the metaphor, we understand what he's saying. Look, at I could pull rank on you here. I might be bold and say, listen, I am the apostle. I led you to the Lord. This is the way it's going to roll out. But I'm not going to do that, Philemon. I'm going to rather, and look at how he plays on his emotions, yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged. I love that. Is he manipulative? In a good and godly way he is. He's reminding him who, hey, listen, who's saying this, okay? Because I, sometimes I do that. I say, I'm going to tell you something that's going to be pretty hard. And I, I would say something like, the pastor, the brother who loves you is saying, am I playing on your emotion? I'm reminding you, I'm saying this out of love. Oh, this is a hard thing you're going to have to hear. But and so I think he's saying the same thing. He's lining up in such a way like, hey, I could pull rank on you here, but just remember who I am. Remember who's asking you this. Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee, I'm begging you for my son Onesimus. Now this the whole thing goes sideways. Philemon said, Onesimus? My runaway slave? I get my hands on him, it's going to be curtains. Are you kidding me? I mean, ostensibly, if he's like anybody else, you know, that's, that's my guy. I, did he, when he left, did he abscond with a lot of money? Probably. Slaves don't have a lot of money. You're driving from Colossae to Rome, and you ain't supposed to be. Listen, I, slavery in this time, it could be a lot of different things. And we've talked about that before. But if you had a slave, and he ran away, and you collected him again, you could crucify him. You could put him to death. You could bury him alive. You could do anything. Um, so is this all about, this is in the Bible, because in case you run into a runaway slave, you will know how to restore him to his master, right? How many think that's what this book is all about, right? <laughs> no, we didn't get any hands. Let the record show nobody in, in Kennebec Valley is that dumb. Because we know Deuteronomy says, and we should probably go there, Deuteronomy chapter uh, 20. Three in verse 15 says, Thou shalt not deliver unto his master the servant which is escaped from his master unto thee. So you, okay, you're, you're in Israel and somebody escapes there from bondage and they start living in Israel. You grab them, you take him right back, mister. No, 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 no. Not the God of the Bible. He shall dwell with thee 
even among you in that place which he shall choose in one of thy gates, where it liketh him best. Thou shalt not oppress him. Why, wouldn't you, why would you oppress him? Hey, you were slaves. You didn't like being oppressed. I mean, imagine if you were a, a brickmaker, slave in Egypt, and you were escaped by night, and it's probably guards and sentries and things like this. Imagine you get you and your whole family out, and you made it to... Canaan somewhere, and you want to settle down, and, oh, you're one of those Jewish slaves, and they drag you right back to Egypt. That wouldn't be so good. No, you, you won't do that. You won't be doing that, any of that. So we already have word on this. This isn't about how to restore slaves to masters, obviously. Well, this is, he's a Christian now. So this is how to take people who are at odds and bring them back together again. This is what the, the gospel's about, the, the, the book's about. A lot of people teach it that way. Well, I agree, in a sense. Look at if you know two warring factions, you know them both. Use your influence, your cachet in their life to bring warring entities together. I, I would always say, but we don't need a whole Bible book to, about that, because, I mean, we all know that. I mean, blessed are the peacemakers. If, you, if, if, if there's family members at, at odds, if there's Christian brothers and sisters at odds, and you know them both, yeah, do what you can to, to restore that relationship. At the end of the day, relationships are all. I mean everything. I mean relationships are, you go to Jesus, hey, I need, I need the rules. I need, tell me what I need to do. Oh, you, what you need to do, you need to love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Relationship. You need to love your brother as yourself. Relationship. It's all about relationships. Are relationships important in the Bible? Yes. Yes, very. So if you can restore a relationship, do that. And I think it's about that a little bit. So if people say that, I'm not going to be an argument. I'm not going to argue about it. But I don't know if we needed a whole book to, about that. I want you to, I beseech you for my, my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. He in time past, he was unprofitable. But now he's profitable to and to me. It's kind of funny because Onesimus means profitable. And he's making a, is he making a pun? Yeah. How profitable was he? Well, he ran away. I, I, there went my profit margin right, right down the road. Hey, hey, he ain't like that no more. I want to tell you something. He's profitable now. He's profitable to you. He's profitable to me. And I, I just soon have him with me. Uh, whom I sent thee again, that thou shalt receive him. That is my own bowels. I want you to receive him like my own heart. I would have retained with me. Why? Because he's profitable. I would have kept him with me. In your stead, that he might have ministered to me under, uh, in, uh, in the bonds of the gospel, but without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be, as it were, of necessity, but willing, willingly. So let's talk about slavery a little bit, okay? I got some statistics. I know how you guys love statistics. The global, that was, okay, Forget it. Global slavery index, index, index estimates that over 45.8 million people worldwide are living in a form of modern-day slavery. I, th I think that was like, I think it was like 0.2%. I was just doing quick math in my mind. But modern-day slavery isn't the same as traditional forms of slavery. As people back then uh, were considered legal property. However, modern-day slavery is defined as a situation where a person cannot refuse or leave because of threats, violence, coercion, and abuse of power or deception with treatment akin to a farm animal. Most common, common forms of modern-day slavery inclu include human trafficking, 
the sex industry, right? Forced labor, debt bondage, forced or servile marriage, and the sale and exploitation of children. Monday countries are still practice slavery. North Korea, India, Uzbekistan, China, Russia, Congo, Pakistan, Sudan, Dominican Republic, Yemen, Iraq, Indonesia, Philippines, Guatemala, and Nigeria. Those are the top 15 by percentage. Um, so I was going to give you the percents, the numbers, the religions practiced in those countries, and it's kind of, it's all over the place, okay? But I will say, you know, Christians should never have slaves. Uh, my thinking is, do never have slaves, but that's a story for another time. Um, but all these things, it's not clear lines, because I said, well, these are all Islamic countries. Well, seven of them are, but they're not all. North Korean's not an Islamic country, and that's like the number one. Not the official state religion is atheism, although they do you know, revere and worship the, the uh, Kim family. I always, because the names are backwards, I always, it always takes me a second to get there. <laughs> uh, but I want to tell you something like this. Uh, so, so there's still slavery around. Look, um, that, I'm against slavery. Is anyone here surprised? But I always would have been against slavery. You say, well, how do you know that? Um, because I'm against slavery now and because I'm against abortion. You say, oh, equal abortion is against slavery? Yeah, yeah. I believe in life over... What's the other argument? Well, it's a woman's body. Oh, property rights. Well, that's the same exact, op- the same argument that made of slavery. Property rights over humanity. We're talking about a human being creating the image of God. Inside the womb, we're talking about a human being creating the image of God. Does a woman have rights? Oh, of course women have rights. Of course they do. But they are trumped by the right of life. Because, I mean, it goes back to the Constitution, which goes back to the Bible, I mean, in, in my thinking. Otherwise, the Constitution isn't worth shucks. In the Declaration of Independence, or is it the preamble of the Constitution? I can never remember. Uh, Jefferson writes, you know, uh, that the, about uh, people that they are endowed by, they created with certain inalienable rights. Anyone know what inalienable means? It's not a word we use all day. Inalienable. Again, I'll call on you, make you stand up and recite. <laughs> what is inalienable? You can't be taken away. You can't put a lien on them. Inalienable. Uh, no lien, okay? When you put a lien on somebody's property, it means you have a right to that. What did you say? Given by God. Given by, but that's the only reason they're inalienable. Exactly correct. Because they're given by God. If they're given by government, government can take them away. And Jefferson tells us, no, 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 no. These rights aren't given by the King George. These rights aren't given by sovereignty. They're not given by parliament. They're not given by the Congress or the president or the Supremes that we're going to put all that stuff in motion. They're given by God and God only. That's why they're inalienable. And among these rights are life. Liberty and the pursuit of happiness. You know the quote. Okay, so we're all there. We're all Americans. We all agree with that. Listen, listen. Uh, children have rights. Babies have rights. Embryos have rights. Oh, so say, uh, fetuses have rights, huh? Yeah. They're babies. Um, well, they're fetuses. I, I like how the whole word thing here. We take the word baby, we change it to Latin. We, fetus is Latin for baby, and now it's not a baby anymore. I, hey, hey, you pro-choice people are on the wrong side of history. That's okay. We're fixing it. 
Several states have heartbeat laws now and things like this. Hey, it's going in the right direction. Praise God. We'll, 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 go, we'll do it incremental like they did it incremental. Um, and where am I going with this all anyway? anyway oh, but, but anyway, back along, I would have been against slavery. I would have been a member of the Underground Railroad. Why? Because I know what Deuteronomy says. And I wouldn't have been trying to grab people. I wouldn't have been like, if I lived down south, I wouldn't have gone up north and grabbed people and brought them back down into bondage, into slavery. Why? That violates the golden rule. It violates Deuteronomy. It violates common sense. And it violates certain inalienable rights. And I would see a black man or any kind of color person say, that person's created in the image of God, the same God that I worship. And I mean, isn't that like common sense? Couldn't we have always have figured that out? So I look at this and I say, but it has a lot to do with your worldview, doesn't it? So Onesimus runs away and he meets Paul. Is that good for Onesimus? Yeah, he died. He's in eternal life now. Brother Onesimus, in heaven forever. Listen, I tell you this and I've told you a lot of times. A hundred years from today, the only thing that's going to matter is our relationship with Jesus Christ. In life, did it matter that Onesimus was a slave? Well, it mattered then. Does it matter now? <laughs> it's like, like, like people like fellowship with Nesimus, like, hey, dude, how's it going? And they're loving the Lord and worshiping and whatever they do in heaven all day and stuff like this. Oh, you were a slave. Well, dude, I can't be hanging out with you. Does it matter at all in heaven that Onesimus was a slave? Not at all. So he ran into Paul. Paul led him to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and to eternal life. Good for Onesimus. I'm glad he ran into Paul. What happens if he ran into a Hindu? Have you thought of this? Hinduism, they have karma, okay? And that demands that Onesimus pay off his karmic debt. For Paul to get in the middle of this means Onesimus may reincarnate to a lower life form than even a slave. Maybe in his next incarnation, he may become something like a garden slug for all we know. You can't, listen, you, you think it, uh, I'm clowning around, I am a little bit, but think about it. They don't have, you've heard, anyone ever heard of uh, Catholic charities? Yeah. Anyone ever hear of the Salvation Army? Anyone ever hear of Hindu charities? There's a reason for it. Let's figure it out. We, we can't help somebody out. They're on that, that, that reincarnation cycle. We can't, we can't look at this, this the, the caste system. And there's the untouchables, the Dalit down here. By the way, they respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ like 10 minutes. They're, what? There's a God and he loves me? Nobody loves me. My parents don't even love me. And there's a God who I'm creating his image and he loves me. Think about the fertile ground that is for the gospel. But besides all that, so we have a system of thought, of religion where you can't touch, you can't help, you can't, you're going to be messing up the whole thing. They're already way down here. You want them to come back as pawn scum? I mean, come on, give him a break at least. And so, so Onesimus goes and he meets a Hindu and he says, well, you know, the last uh, life you were at these many crimes and all this, we can't help you. What happens if he runs into somebody from Islam? In Islamic countries, slavery is not always a thing of the past. They have forced marriage and stuff like that. You're not always complicit in your marriage. And seven of the 15 countries where I said slavery is still practiced are Islamic countries. And you say, well, Adam, if you talk about like sex trafficking and stuff like that, guess what? All the Western industrialized nations are uh, right, correct. That would be correct as well. So I can't, you know, say exclusively Islam, but they know, they know, I wouldn't say Islam is a friend to slavery, but it's not exactly enemies either. And, and like I say, seven of those 15 countries are 
Yemen, is that an Islamic country? Yes, it is. Iraq, is that an Islamic country? Yes, it is. Okay? So, I mean, some of those things we can't even, we're not even going to debate them. But even at that, anyway, free or slave, Onesimus must still keep the five pillars, right? And his good works have to outweigh his bad. And then if Allah wills it, paradise. So he's got to do all that, you know, keep Hajj, which is pilgrimage to Mecca. He's got to do prayer. He's got to do fasting during Ramadan. He's got to do good works and there's, oh, and giving. So there's five pillars and they've got to do all those. And then it's like, you know, uh, I think one of the reasons that Islam grows in America because we're halfway there anyway. I know most Americans think, okay, let's see, uh, you know, you get in front of God and you did more good than bad and he weighs it all. That's exactly an Islamic theology. That's exactly correct. And then, of course, you still got to, Allah still got to will it, because if he's having a bad hair day and you're, you happen to get, you fuzz the end of the lollipop on that day and stand before him, it's not going to go very well regardless. And he's capricious. Our God is not capricious. I love that about him. The things he says, you just take them right at face, val- at face value, okay? Just, he's, he, he, he never changed his mind. He couldn't lie, we discovered in a recent study. Even if he wanted to, and he doesn't want to, he couldn't lie. He has no idea, concept of misleading people. Uh, how about vague spirituality? Because I, I want to talk about the major religions here in America. We can go into Baha'i and Jainism and all these lesser known stuff like this, and we can go through all this stuff. But here's one thing I think about. In America, we have this thing called va- vague spirituality. And what does that mean? I don't know, it's too vague to define. And it really is. It's trying to like, you can't get your arms around. It's like vapor. It's like mist. It's kind of hard to, because you talk about to somebody and you say, uh, are you interested in spiritual things? Oh, I'm very spiritual. I'm just not very religious. Which usually they are saying, I can do anything I want. You can't tell me who I can sleep with. That's basically the shorthand for, I'm very spiritual. I'm just not religious. Well, listen, I'm very spiritual and I'm not only not religious, I'm anti-religious. So we're, we're kindred spirits, we're on the same page, right? Not necessarily, not very often. And so we have these gurus of vague spirituality, and they're saying they're spiritual but not religious, and that means basically whatever they want it to mean. And if Onesimus would have run into a 21st century American rather than an apostle, probably be told, hey, dude, did you attend Burning Man this year? It was awesome. You, and, or whatever's out there, okay, and whatever the flavor of the month is, and what, how about, what, hap, what would happen if he ran into Deepak Chopra? Deepak Chopra would tell him, I want to offer, and this is in quotes, okay, I want to offer the possibility that Jesus was truly, as he proclaimed, a savior. Not the savior, not the one and only son of God, rather Jesus embodied the highest level of enlightenment, what is that? That is fertilizer. <laughs> that is if you stepped on that, wiped that off your shoe. Throw the shoes away. Throw the barrel that you put the shoes in away. That's what that is. It is deplorable. It is disgusting. He's not. He's, he's our Savior. He's not the Savior. He's not the Son of God. Uh, you know, uh, Mum was talking to me about she saw Deepak Chopra. I think he's a medical doctor. She saw him on Dr. Oz's show, and she thought he was a really good guy. And I'm thinking, like, Mum, he's a cult leader. So, uh, Mum's long suit isn't discernment, okay? Just should know that. Ram Das, uh, he would tell him, quote, quote, you have everything in you that Buddha has. 
that Christ has. You've got it all. But only when you start to acknowledge it is it going to get interesting. Your problem is you're afraid to acknowledge your own beauty. You're too busy holding on to your own unworthiness. You'd rather be a schnook sitting before some great man. That fits in more with who you think you are. Well enough already. I sit before you and I look and I see your beauty, even if you don't. Ah! They're very helpful. And Onesimus would tell him so, and then die and go to hell. What happens if you ran into Eckhart Tolle? He's a New Age guy, and a lot of people know that name. Eckhart Tolle would remind him some of the first human beings in whom the new consciousness emerged fully became the great teachers of humanity, such as Buddha, Lao Tzu, or Jesus. I always like when they just, Jesus is one of the many enlightened masters. I always love that, right? Uh, is he going to quote, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name given among heaven whereby we must be saved? No, he's, no, <laughs> no. They don't know that verse, okay? Just share it with him if you have the opportunity. Uh, but but I, I'm, I'm interrupting his quote. Uh, Buddha, Lao Tzu, or Jesus, although the teachings were greatly misunderstood, especially when they turned into organized religion, they were the first manifestations of the flowering of human consciousness. Oprah, who a lot of people call Christian, you know, if you read her like high school annual there, she had, I think she was on fire for the Lord at one time. Is she like born again now? She comes across as a Christian because I think sometimes she's trying to maintain viability. I mean, for the presidency. That's my thought, okay? See, billionaires wouldn't run for the presidency. Uh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> Oprah wants Onesimus to know that the real purpose for Jesus coming to earth was to teach all of us Christ consciousness, whatever that means. And I, I, I got that was the one I picked. There's a lot of quotes by her. Okay, so he runs into an atheist. All right, he's 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 run, looking for help. Okay, the atheist tells him, "What's the difference?" Funny to me, athe- the religion that is atheism. They say they're not relig- a, a without theism, God, with no God. And then they go work like dogs to promote it. Sometimes more than Christians work hard to promote Christianity. Listen, there's no God. You're a fool. What's your problem? You're all going to die and you're going to become worm food. And it doesn't matter. Wow, what a wonderful evangelical message you have there. If it doesn't matter, why are you sharing it with me? Have you thought that all the way through? Why does anything matter? Uh, you know, I have discussions with thoughtful atheists. I have friends who are atheists. You probably do too. And it always comes back to, well, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this, this is bad, this is good. Why is anything bad? Why is anything good outside of a creator who says, this is bad and this is good. I mean, look, 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 look. How many of you think rape is sin? Well, good, about 80%. That's good. <laughs> Guys never raise their hand. We're just like, I ain't doing that. Uh, look, uh, we know s- even atheists would raise their hand. But if there was a big bang and pond scum, and lightning, and worms, and, you know, as they say, from the goo to the zoo to you. Why is rape wrong? 
It's just, it's just, it's just passing on genetics. It's the survival of the fittest. We should celebrate rape. Yay! It's wonderful. You're just passing on your genetic information to the next generation. Yay! Right? But we know it's wrong. Of course it's wrong. And some say, well, it's, it's wrong because you're forcing... So? Why is anything wrong? I, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, atheism kind of... Okay, you don't believe in God. Well, okay. <laughs> why, why do you gotta feel like you have to... Okay, there's no purpose in life except for my purpose in life to tell, go around the world telling everyone there's no purpose in life. Go and figure that one out. And if you do, come back and explain it to me. Now we have a new religion. I call it woke, right? So he runs in a woke, woke boy, okay? And he says it doesn't matter at all about Jesus, just so you don't oppress LBGTQ persons, right? And by the way, I believe woke is a religion. No, it really is, and it's the worst one out there. I, you don't believe me? They go to church. Okay, it's called CNN. They have priests and priestesses. Most of them are running for president. They have sacraments. They, I mean, you think about it, they really do. Abortion, on demand, nine months and beyond, environmentalism, showing support for LBGTQ persons, and they do evangelism. And if you don't convert, you're a racist, you're a white supremacist, you're a bigot, you're a hater, you're a homophobe, and you're a Nazi. I, I love people who try to insult me onto their team. <laughs> Does that work like ever? <laughs> not, not working here. Boy, I can't wait for the next election. I'm going to vote and go out and vote for one of these people who keep calling me a white supremacist. Listen, I got to tell you something. I don't agree with any woke theories out there. I'm not a racist any more than you're racist. We know who we are. And I don't care how many people call us racist. We're not. Uh, but here's what the, where they really fail as a religion. They don't have forgiveness. They don't have forgiveness. Even in grammar school, there is now, nor ever will be forgiveness or any chance at salvation. There's only shame and name-calling, world without end. Amen. You don't get a second chance. They look back at your high school yearbook. They look back, and you can or cannot be on the Supreme Court. Fifty years later, none of that matters. And when he was in high school, he may be under that blackface makeup. Now he can't be governor of anywhere. Uh, am I in favor of people using the N-word? I'm not. I'm not. Was I a racist? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was a stupid little kid, and I grew up among racists, and they said, uh, you know, we lived in a white neighborhood, and in the black neighborhood, they were our enemies somehow, some way. Did I have all this worked out in my brain that all men are created in the image of God? Not really. Not really. Um, Boston was a very, very racist society when I was growing up. I don't know if it still is or not. I haven't been there a long time. Woke is a religion. I won't be participating. So he didn't go to any of these. He went to the Apostle Paul. Is that a benefit for him? Yeah, eternally. And here's Paul. Now, have you thought about this, Philemon? Perhaps he therefore departed for a season that you might receive him forever. Have you thought about that? Okay, he ran away. I get it. I get it. I get it. But maybe God allowed this. Maybe God was in this. Maybe God allowed him to run into me. Imagine that. 
Paul the Apostle, you're that guy who's like Philemon's always talking about. Like, wow, dude, how, this is crazy. Would those machinations be working in Onesimus' brain? You know how God is. You know how God brings the most unlikely. The person who led me to the Lord, I probably hated more than anyone else in the whole world. Because <laughs> that's how God works, you know? And not only is he going to save me, he's going to humble me in the process because I need humbling and salvation. So God's going to use it all. If you count me as a partner, receive him as myself. Now, is Philemon said, I don't love you, Paul. I know you love me the Lord, but forget about it. He says, no, 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 no. Listen, why is this in the Bible? Because this is the clearest presentation of the gospel that I know. Okay, Philemon is playing, let me connect the dots. Philemon is playing, in our little vignette here, is playing the part of God, the beloved, okay? Paul is playing the part of Jesus Christ. Are you in this little scenario? Yes, you are. Onesimus is playing your part and my part, a runaway slave, who, if got caught by the big guy, would have death, maybe even crucifixion. It's not going to end well. And now enter Paul slash Jesus on our behalf. And this is what he's his, his saying to the Father. If you count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. That's very Christ-like. Hey, Dad, I know Adam's a ridiculous, scandalous sinner. You love me, love him. I want you to treat him like you would treat me. Is that the gospel? Do you understand what happened in your salvation? You deserve death. I deserve death. Because I always talk about the people who like, think they're going to you know, give God a piece of their mind. I'm going to get exactly what I got coming to me. Oh, you are. You won't like it, but you are. We deserve. And what we get, that's grace. That's the whole point, isn't it? We, we visit here all the time. This is the gospel. If you count me, therefore, a partner, receive him as himself. If he hath wronged thee, if he hath wronged wrong, Oh, cut me some slack. Jesus is like being very, you know, hey, all right, there's a... This is a debt. I understand that. I understand that. If he has wronged thee or with the art, put that on my account. I told you something about God. He's not a squishy judge. He's a righteous judge. And the payment for your sin has to be exacted. It has to be paid for. He's not just going to overlook and say, oh, well, kids will be kids. No, it has to be paid for. Was it paid for? It was gloriously paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ when he bled and died and he poured out his life to save us. It was paid for, paid in full, to tell us thy, it is finished. There's no more payment made. Isn't that wonderful? Now listen, Eckhart Tolle doesn't have that. Oprah doesn't have that. Christian faith has that. And Paul's giving the message to Onesimus, and he's playing the part of Jesus Christ to the Father. Hey, he owes you anything? Put that on my account. You, I want you to know what? When he shows up, I want you to treat him like you would treat me. Is this the message of Jesus Christ? Is this the gospel? It's one of the clearest presentations. I don't know how else we can put it. I've written it with my own hand. I will repay it. Albeit, I do not uh, say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thine own self besides. God, Jesus wouldn't say that to the Father. All, uh, anything that's analogous to Jesus Christ breaks down at some point because it's analogous. 
there's no Jesus except Jesus, okay? So Paul's playing a part. And he would say that to Philemon, okay? He would say, look at, uh, I've written it with my own hand. He got, does he know? Does he know how much that uh, Philemon's absconded with? It could be like a million drachmas or something. Paul said, hey, I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to take care of it. He's like, Jesus has wherewithal to take care. I don't care what, because I run into people and say, oh, you don't know, you don't understand. Uh, and they talk about, you know, this amazing sin debt they racked up. Shut up. I mean, come on. Real. Uh, yeah, okay. I get it. You were bad. I get, no, I get that. I get that. Don't you tell me that my God, my God died on a cross. He poured out his lifeblood for you. Don't tell me that's not enough. Because I understand what you're saying. Oh, I've been very bad. Well, I like that humble spirit in you. That's good. I want to cultivate that. But when you think that all the way through, what he paid for my sin isn't enough. Oh, you're going to get me upset. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. He's, he, he said, I'll, I, I'm telling you I'm paying for this. I'm, I, I picked up the tab for this. You sin. By the way, guys, we all, like, I talk to you guys sometimes. I want to be the head of my house, you know. I'm the, I'm the boss. I'm the king of my castle. You're a knucklehead. Listen, to be the boss means this. You take responsibility for what's happening in your house. The buck stops here. You know, my marriage isn't what it should be. Why? Well, look at my, the ball and chain I married. Oh, my goodness. We'd really make hay if I wasn't married, a, if I wasn't stuck with her, right? No, no, no. My marriage is what I've made it. The buck stops here. Now, now think this all the way through. Who sinned? Us or Jesus? We did. Who paid the tab? Us or Jesus? That's what it means to be a leader, the buck stops here. I take responsibility. Now, men, proceed. Now you be the head of your house. Take responsibility. The buck stops here. And I'm thinking like, and by the way, you get stuff like this at the men's conference, but uh, enough on that, right? Uh, I've written it with my own hand. I will repay it. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Make my heart glad. Is, is Philemon, we don't know what happened. So is Onesimus delivering this letter back to Philemon? Probably. <laughs> it would be just like Paul to do that. Is, is Philemon really blessed to see Onesimus? Oh, I bet he is in a certain way. <laughs> when I get my hands on you, uh, he reads the letter. And now, what's the deal? Son. Come on in. Does he adopt him? I wouldn't be at all surprised. Does he, does he forgive all the debt? Paul, you don't owe me nothing. Forget about it. Yeah, it's just... We don't know. I mean, think it all the way through. Because I think Philemon's like, he he's, loves the Lord. He loves Paul. He understands Paul led him to the Lord. Anything for you, Paul. Oh, you want me to... Take him as my, well, I'll show you this thing. I will show you how much love I can extend to this man. The gospel changes people. The gospel just changes people. And look at Paul saying, I have confidence in your obedience. I, I know what's going to, I know how this is going to play out. I run to thee knowing that thou would also do more than I say. Did he? Uh, we don't know. We, but I know. In my own thinking, I know. Prepare me a room. I'm going to come. I'm going to hang out with you. That'll be a good time. Uh, Jesus from earth, you know, <laughs> I'll be there shortly. You know, you might want to get ready for that. I don't know. Uh, 
then he goes on with the, the names, how he usually does at the end there. You know, uh, salute Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow Aries. Look, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Why don't we stand receive the benediction? They're going to come, our, our uh, worship team. They will send us out of here in song. Father, we thank you for this wonderful book, this clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin. A stain, I guess. Crimson stain. But he washed it white as snow. We praise and thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's meant to us. Now the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen. It is our desire to get God's word out to all. So our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses. And if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. And everything I want out dear, I count it all.